Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. We are in actually part four of our series that we started called Grow, because we believe that God has created everything with the desire to grow. That's not necessarily rocket science. That's not a Christian thing. That's not a religious thing. That's just a a fact of God's creation. God created things to grow. To, To figure that out, all we have to do is go outside and look at the world around us. Especially this time of year, you know, we got spring, we're going into summer, and, uh, and God is, he, he puts things into place so that they will grow, so that they will take root, so that they will get stronger, so why? So that they ultimately begin to produce fruit. And so it's not different inside of us, you know, every single one of you started as a seed. And in that seed, in, in that moment of conception, we're not doing like a family life thing here, but in that moment of conception... Every ounce of potential that God created for you existed in you in that moment. And so the beautiful thing is that we, you know, I'm glad we don't stay that way. We would look really weird. It would be an awkward living situation. But we grow and we develop and we, we turn into what God created us to become. And so it takes time and it takes life and it takes a journey. And, and, and we've, over the, the, the series, we've talked about how uh, your soil is your responsibility. You know, making sure that the soil that you are planting yourself in is soil that is ready, full of nutrients. And, and we fill ourselves with nutrients through, through community, proper community, through the word of God, through the Holy Spirit inside of us, through a, a daily relationship with Jesus. And then after that, we talked about our roots because it's great to have soil. But we got to have roots because if you're not, if you don't have roots, what happens? You end up being like the tumbleweeds that are all up in your grill outside because of the wind, and it's blowing in, and it's getting stuck in your yard and on your fence. There's no roots. There's new nutrients, and eventually it still exists, but it's rolling around dead. And so we, uh, and then we also talked about uh, last week. We talked about how uh, what you need to be connected to. Out of John chapter 15, we talked about how uh, Jesus gave this story of how he is he is the vine and we are the branches. And everything that that the Father desires to see in our lives and happen through us is going to happen. Not because we we tried really hard and gritted our teeth, and because we're good at something or not good at something, it's going to happen because we are connected to the vine, which is Jesus. And so it is only by connecting to Jesus that we can actually become what God created us to become and ultimately produce the fruit that even before we were born, God created us for. And the fruit, did you know that the fruit is not for the tree? The fruit is for the environment around it. Whether it's planting other seeds, whether it's giving someone nutrients who doesn't have what it takes to make it on their own, that you know that other people can survive for a season off the fruit that you produce, even if they may be dead, appearing to be dead on the outside. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, like we got we to gotta take ourselves to new levels and it's not going to be because you read more Bible than ever, it's not going to be because you obeyed all the rules, it's not going to be because you, you put on the right clothes to come to church, it's not because you know how to say the right words and to do the right things, it's going to happen because you allow yourself and you position yourself to stay connected in tight with Jesus, grafted into the vine that is our source of strength, our source of life, our source of reality, our source source of hope. And the more that happens, the more we're going to begin to impact those around us. So today, we've kind of had a pretty consistent theme in this growth series that our growth is our responsibility. 
And so if our growth is our responsibility, I believe, and I would venture to say that I don't think that, that we have the, the correct right to blame others for our lack of growth. So often when we don't grow, because it's in our culture, and even beyond that, it's just, I guess it's just in our human DNA. Well, I'm not growing. Well, whose fault? Well, it's not my fault. <laughs> I have three kids. And so they're, they're really good at when something doesn't go right, of making sure that we know that it wasn't their fault, especially when they're younger. Now they're getting older, and so it's a little more complex. You know, we're not talking about, like, a broken flower, you know, vase. We're, we're talking about, like, life things, you know. But then it's like, you know, our youngest one, you know, they drops a plate or something and it breaks. And you're like, why did you drop the plate? I didn't do that. I'm standing, I'm standing right here. Like, I literally... Just, you know, and so it's always, it's in our nature to be able to say, well, if I'm not growing spiritually, well, I can guarantee you it's not my fault because I love Jesus. And so, and, and so I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go there too much today, but I want us to have that because there was, I was getting some groans. I was getting some, so I don't know if those were good amens or if that was, you know, something manifesting. I don't know, but we, um, but you know, we just got to, any, any, anywho. Uh, we're going to go there in a different way. But I just want to make sure that even when it comes to our growth, we have to understand is that we can't force the fruit, but we can force our steps to follow what God puts in front of us. Because there's you, you can be a, a branch that's connected to the vine, and then you're a branch and you're just like, argh, argh, no fruit yet. Okay, hold on. Argh. That's not about that. It's about what you're connected to. I'm glad that wasn't on video because that was not pretty. There were memes for days on that one right there. Okay, sorry. We got to stay connected so that God's life can flow through us. We're connected to God. It's not hard work to grow, but you got to do it God's way. All right, so today, uh, let me read this, this verse to you just to kind of set the stage. This is in 2 Timothy 2.22, and from the uh, ESV, it's the English Standard Version. It says this, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So again, today's Crew Sunday, we've, we've established that. Um, and, but, but on days like today, I always want to kind of maximize this moment, not just as a, a small group promotion, but to talk about the culture in our church of how important community actually really is. Community is a big deal. Uh, today, my message, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to get your notepad app out on your phone, or if you've got the journal, maybe we just need to make a bunch of like convo journals and everybody has one and all that type of stuff. We've already given you, is that a, is that a vote? Is that what we're doing? Okay, just making noises. Um, so today's message is my community. Who, who can guess what's coming next? My responsibility. My community, my responsibility. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of one-liners here of things that I found that kind of uh, connect to this thought of community. And uh, for this first one, I saw it. I've heard it before. I couldn't find somebody to credit it to, so it's unknown. It says, you'll never soar with the eagles while you're running around with the turkeys. My son said, shouldn't it be chickens? Because technically turkeys can fly. I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's an analogy. We don't eat eagles. We eat, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, here's another one by one of my mentors, um, uh, Pastor Jeannie Mayo. She says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Woo, that'll preach all by itself. Dr. Uh, Coretta Scott King, she says, the greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members. I love that. Uh, beautiful African proverb here, if you want to go quickly, go alone. But if you want to go far, then go together. And uh, in... in 
one of mine here. Anyway, it says, you'll produce the fruit of the vine that you are connected to. And I think that's true. It doesn't mean everyone's going to produce fruit. Like, I get it. There's no, you know, well, there's trees that don't. Okay, it's an analogy. But in life, everybody's going to produce fruit. The Bible says that we actually will produce good fruit or we'll produce bad fruit. So there's kind of the two options that we think of. But you'll, you'll produce the fruit of the vine that you're connected to. Psalm 92, this is from a few weeks back when we talked about roots. Psalm 92, 12 and 13, it says that the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Who, uh, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. And the strength, we talked about this, the strength of the cedar is not only in the depth of its roots, but the cedar roots actually spread out horizontally and connect and intertwine with the root system of the trees around it. And it's not just cedars, it's other trees. They're just all connected in. And so there's, there's a beautiful picture that, that the psalmist did on purpose to let us know that it's not just about your own roots going deep. It's not just about how much you know the word. It's not just about how educated you are spiritually. It's not just about your own individual relationship with God. It very much still has to do with those that you are connected to around you. It makes, it makes a big deal. Uh, biblical Christ-following community it, it connects you to the right kingdom. We're talking about the kingdom of God. It connects you to your purpose. It connects you to uh, the mission of Christ, which in all reality, I don't know if it, to simplify your purpose, sometimes we get caught up. Like, what's my purpose? What am I supposed to do with my life? What's my calling? And sometimes God's just trying to open up your eyes and say, just look, look at what's right in front of you. You don't have to get complex. And yes, there are more specific things that, that you will do on your journey with the Lord that are very unique to what God's called you to. But at the end of the day, anyone who is alive can connect their purpose and their mission to the things that Jesus did. What did Jesus do? To simplify it, he did a lot. But to simplify it, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I would add a second line to that. He came to bring the realities of heaven, make them come alive here on earth. You're like, well, it's just in a broken, dark, just broken, dark world, it's just how it is. It's going to get worse and worse. And so I don't, just don't think that's true because if we're the light of the world and we begin to shine, the only, way that, the only way that darkness can get bigger when the light is getting brighter is if we cover up the lights so that they can't see the lights and the light can't impact the darkness. But John chapter 1 tells us that, that the light will shine in the darkness and the darkness cannot extinguish the light. And so that tells me that we have to do a better job of taking the covers off of our lights and allowing ourselves to shine more in our cities. Your community determines your trajectory. That's something that, we, that we've said a lot just in the culture of who we are as a church. Your community determines your trajectory. You can't do it on your own. You can't be what God created you to be on your own. You can try. You can have some semblance of success. You can have you can have a very frustrated and limited relationship. Maybe you can do something fast, like that African proverb, but if you want to go far, you're going to need to do it with somebody else. You're going to need people because the moments where you're going to be weak are the moments where you need people around you that will be strong. And since it's not just about us, the moments where we're strong, we need to look for those around us who are weak. And we need to help them. We need to help them back up. We need to restore those who fall. Because we're not, we're, not, we're not creating a culture and a religion and an environment filled with perfect people. It's actually just the opposite. We are creating a place where the most uh, unqualified, broken, messed up, worst sin resume ever, those are the people that we're trying to gather together 
so that they can encounter the reality of a grace-filled, loving, kind, merciful God who wants to not judge them and punish them in this life, but he wants to actually breathe purpose and breathe life into them so that they can discover something that in all, in all reality changes, it changes the game. It changes everything. So I want us to kind of talk about in our own culture as a church for Convo Church and even to the bigger picture, I believe, of what God has called the church to be in our city and around the world, a handful of different things that define what community is. Community has kind of become this hashtag and buzzword. Like, oh, it's just, you know, I've just got community. Do you have community? Oh, you should have community. Everybody needs community. And I've got my work community. I've got my gym community. I've got my... I've got my, uh, my Pilates community, and I've got this community. I live in a community, and, uh, and I have all these communities. And we're just like, doesn't even, who cares? Because community was actually meant to contribute something. It was, community was actually meant to be people who were gathered. I'm getting ahead of myself. Number one, community is unified. Community is unified. Community, I mean, this is where the word actually came from. If you break down, community was not actually an original word. It was two words that were put together. And the two words are common unity. So it's best described as people that are sharing life together in common unity of purpose and passion. And I would even add purpose and mission. I love this one passage in, in Acts chapter 2. And, and Acts chapter 1 and 2 is fun because things begin to get crazy. And, and Jesus isn't there anymore. He's ascended back to the Father to, uh, to, to prepare things for us and to also pray for you. Did you know that Jesus is in heaven praying for you, taking, taking you and, and, and talking about you to the Father? And, he's, and, and the things that you're going through that you even don't pray for, you don't know how to pray for, you need to know that Jesus is saying, hey, yeah, keep praying, but I just want you to know I got your back too. I want, to, I want to encourage the notion, now let me rephrase that, I want to discourage, that's completely different words, I want to discourage the notion that you don't have the right or the permission or good enough to communicate with Jesus or to communicate directly with the Father. Religion has painted this false heretical picture that it's only the elite that are allowed to actually talk to God. You need to talk to me and then I'll take it to God. And I want to tell you that's not ever been God's intent. The only reason there was distance in the Old Testament, if you want to go back that far and study, was because there had not yet been a perfect sacrifice that was good enough to cover our sins so that when in our sinful state we did come before the Father, we didn't drop dead because of our sin that we brought before him. But when Jesus went to the cross, we're going a little bit of theology this morning, is that okay? When Jesus went to the cross and he died a sacrificial, murderous death on the cross, he became the perfect once and for all sacrifice for your sins and my sins and the sins of the world from eternity past to eternity in the future. So that, so that you and I would no longer have to go to somebody else for them to go to the Father for us says that we can boldly come before the throne of grace and bring our requests straight to God. You don't need a priest. You sure as heck don't need to talk to any other dead person to get them to talk for you. Bad news, they're dead. Jesus is alive. And so you can talk to someone who is living because living people hear better than dead people. You should write that down. That's, wow. Acts 2, 40 through 47. Uh, check this out. Uh, this, this is, uh, so Jesus has told the, the disciples, hey guys, I'm not going to be here. I'm actually going to go back to the Father. And they're like, why, why, why would you do that? We want you, it's, 
you're in the flesh. We can see you. We can touch you. We can, it's easier to believe in you because you're here and we can see and talk to you. He's like, no, it's actually going to be better if I go back to the Father because I'll be able to send you my Holy Spirit. And it will be inside of all of you wherever you go. And so, so all of a sudden they, they meet together and, and Jesus said, whatever you do, I want you to do all this stuff. The Great Commission, go to all the world, everything. But wait until I send my Holy Spirit upon you, then you can go out because you'll have the power that comes from God. So they did, and they, they wait, and they have this encounter in the upper room where the Holy Spirit shows up, and it says that, and even it appeared like tongues, like flames of fire came down, descended upon the heads of those who were in this room, and they all began to speak in other tongues and in other languages, and, and, it, and it got a little crazy because it says that it spilled out from the upper room into the streets, and actually, the reason why we know it got a little crazy, it wasn't like perfect organized religion, and they were all just like, oh, Jesus, you're so good. It was a little crazier than that because everyone in the crowd, as they're stumbling out, they're like, you guys are drunk. And Peter, in all of his wisdom, his response was, that's not possible because it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I was like, really? It's almost like he was saying, if it was a little bit later, maybe we would have had an argument. But right now it's only 9 in the morning. Day drinking maybe, not morning drinking, okay? We're not that bad. Anyway, no. It says that Peter gets up and he begins to preach and he begins to address the crowd. And he begins to compel them. And it says in verse, in verse 40, Peter preached to them and warned them with these words. And I think these are words that would warn us today. Be, he says, be rescued from the wayward and perverse culture of this world. And it says, those who believed the word that day numbered 3,000. That's a good day. That's a good church plant launch day if you're into that. It says, they were all baptized and added to the church that day. Verse 42, check it out. Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teaching of the apostles. Now here, check this out. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and, and coming together regularly for prayer. Daily they met together in the temple courts because they they, the church wasn't like it is today. They didn't have high schools to rent. They didn't have buildings to build. They were just this ragtag group of literally social and religious rejects. Because in that time in the Jewish culture, if you were a Jew that was not following the Jewish law and the customs and traditions, you were an outcast. And since the whole Jesus thing just kind of recently happened, you were also kind of in danger for your life. Because they just killed Jesus because they convinced the Romans that he was trying to take over their empire. And he actually was, but it was a different type of empire. And so not only did they want Jesus dead, they wanted to completely destroy anyone that still called on his name. And so now instead of being hidden and covering the light that was being put inside of them, the, the, the cover was coming off the light, and they're spilling out into the streets with this boldness and this confidence to know that, hey, Jesus told us to do something. He gave us his spirit that empowers us to do something. Man, we sure as heck better not stay up in this upper room because God called us to do something. And they begin to spill out and end up. So they didn't have a place to go. They didn't have a home. They didn't have anything. So they would just meet where, where they were used to meeting. So they went to the temple courts and they met. And then they would go in people's homes and share meals. That's their, they had crews. That was their crew. That's how they did that. You can have friendships with people that are not Christians. Because I think it's important to say, we, sometimes churches can get this dangerous uh, culture and this dangerous belief system that just means, no, it's just, you know, we just got to huddle together, man. It's messed up out there. We just are Christians. We got to stay together. You can't hang out with those dirty sinners. I'm like, wait, weren't you just a dirty sinner yesterday? What happened? I mean, like last night. I was with you last, you're like, no, it's, you know, we're, we're different now, and we got to stay together, and it's, it's not about that. So you have to understand the flow of the church community. There's a flow to it. 
It's not just huddle and, and rally the saints so that we can survive. No, it's we come together so that we can be encouraged, so that we can be inspired, so that we can be built up, so that we can be equipped. This is another environment where we are equipping you to go be what Jesus has called you to be Monday through Saturday. That's why we're preaching to your Monday through Saturday because we're not just giving some boring as snot theological talk so that you can fall asleep and then go home and nothing changes. God wants to fill you with something that, yes, is going to change you, but will give you the power and the courage and the strength to go out and be a change for somebody else. So, yes, please build relationships with people who are not in the same belief system as you, even if they won't change, even if they won't do all the things that you think that they should do, even if they still say the words you don't think they should say. Even if, I don't know, I can keep going with that. I'll just, I'll stop. But if we are not connecting with those who feel far from God or don't even know that God exists, how in the world will we be able to see happen what the early church saw happen? It says at the very end, it says that they, continually, uh, they were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying, all the, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. I love that verbiage. Other translations say those who were being saved. Because when you get saved, you really are coming to life. So we need that connection with people who are not in the church world, who, who don't believe. And if you're here today and you don't believe, you need to know it's a safe place. No one's checking your membership card. No one's making you take a theological test before you walk through the doors to make sure that you actually qualify to be here. No, this is a place where you need to know that you deserve to know how much God loves you. And Convo Church exists to make sure that you know that. And we also want you to know that this is a place where you can belong even if you don't believe yet. We believe in what we believe. We think it's truth. We think it's life. We think it's hope. But we also think that our job is not to change anybody. God's got that covered. God wants to transform us. He wants to change me. He's still changing me. But what our job is to love you and to bring you to a place where you can be encouraged and inspired and built up. And we trust that not the judgment of God that's going to change you. The Bible actually teaches us that it's the kindness of God that will change you. And so the kindness is what? Demonstrated through who? His people. That's for somebody. <clears throat> Let's go to the next one. Number two, community is diverse. I love this. This is so huge for my wife and I. We, we, we decided a long time ago that when it came to the church that God was putting in our hearts uh, to, to build and to establish, it wasn't going to be a church filled with people that looked like us and talked like us and acted like us. We wanted to reach the diversity of our city. And, uh, and I've mentioned this before, and, and, and because this is something that's important to us, is that being a diverse church is not something that you do because you say it, and it just magically happens. It's something that you have to wrestle with. It's something you have to be in, intentional about. And, and our, our church, I, I used to say our church should represent the diversity of our city. I actually want to change that. So I'm going to wipe that off the board, and I'm going to rewrite it and say, I want our church to lead diversity for our city. I want our church to be the one who, who shows our city what diversity can be and can look like. The reality, the, re, the reality, and I grew up in the South, and it was different over there. I realized this is different, but here's the reality. The Sunday morning, Afternoon, night, whatever, Sunday should never be the most uh, segregated day of the week. It, and, I'm, and I'm telling you, in the eyes of God, it's the most disgusting reality. That all the, the, the beauty of what God created to be together is separated so that we can worship God with people that are just like us. There shouldn't be white churches. There shouldn't be, you know, only white people and only black people and only Hispanic church and only Asian and, and only the, the Greeks and the Russians. And I'm throwing them in there because I've seen a couple of those too. But there is beauty in diversity, 
what is, what is unique about us together is what will make us beautiful and effective in our city. It's like that in your workplace. It's like that in, in what you do activity-wise. It's like that in our communities for the most part. There's a lot of work to be done. But in the church, we should be leading the way. We should be leading the way. And I don't speak on that as I am an expert and we're doing everything perfectly. We've got room to grow, but that's our heart, that's our focus, and that's what we're going to wrestle with because we believe that God's desire is that the community of this church and all churches should be diverse. Number three, community is deliberate. This is going to be a quick one, but it's deliberate. You're never just going to show up and we're just going to sprinkle pixie dust on everybody and then all of a sudden you just magically transform and you magically have new best friends that you've never spoken to and, and you, you come late so you can sit in the, I'm not talking about the people sitting in the back. This is somewhere else. We're not talking about here. You're different. But in some places, I, I come late so I can sneak in and I don't have to talk to nobody. And uh, he said, amen, the worship team's going up. Time for me to leave. I'm going to get out of here. Because, you know, and then, and then later we're like, well, that church just isn't very friendly. That church isn't welcoming. They never talk to me. It's like, well, because you never, you, you never talk to nobody. You, you never give your, you, you come in so that you don't have to talk. And, and we kind of make that hard because we have people all over the place. So we force it. You're like, you make me feel uncomfortable. I'm okay with that. With that type of discomfort, we will force. No, you have to be deliberate. Why? Because growth is whose responsibility? Relationships are whose responsibility? Roots and soil. And whose responsibility is that again? It, it is our. You, it is, I'm, I'm responsible for, for, for myself. And so the reality is, is when we understand that community is deliberate, we have to also understand that God brought you here, yes, for you, but he also brought you here because there's people here that need you. You have something to offer. You're like, I don't, hey, no, I don't have anything to offer. Maybe you don't see it yet, but I think you keep coming back. You're going to begin to uncover that gold inside of you. You're going to begin to understand that, yeah, actually, I, I do have something to offer. And, and you're going to realize as the months and the years go by that as you look back, you ever look back and you're like, you know, you're kind of in this moment, you're like, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not doing what, I, what I've been dreaming about doing. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with stuff. And then you kind of pause and you look back and you're like, oh, man, I used to be really bad. It's like, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And that happens when it comes to uncovering the gold that's inside of you. Community has purpose. Uh, at Convo Church, we say it all the time and, and on purpose because we want this to get inside of your hearts. Uh, Convo is dedicated to inspiring purpose, encouraging life, and building faith. Those are our core values. It wraps around absolutely everything that we are, everything that we do. Uh, but our purpose is, our purpose is unlocked when we, when we start doing it together. Now check this out. In 2 Timothy 2.22, uh, this is uh, the Apostle Paul. He's talking to Timothy as a young leader. But I think this applies to whoever we are in every aspect of life. Um, he says uh, to Timothy, he says, so flee youthful passions and pursue. So we're running away from the youthful passions, but we're not just running, flailing, screaming because we're scared. No, we're pursuing something. He's like, don't go that way. Go this way and pursue something. Pursue, where, where is it? Okay, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Paul is basically telling Timothy there is a community of people who live and pursue broken passions of the world, and there is a community of faith-filled Christ followers that pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, and, and those are the people that you need to run with because you can't do it alone. I kind of repeat myself on that a lot. Number five is the last one right here. Community has a flow. Community has a flow. Galatians, I love this, Galatians 6, uh, chapter 7, this is what it says. And um, babe, you can, after you write that down, you can uh, join me. She loves it when I do that part. We try to be a little more seamless. I'm like, I just never know when I want you to come up. So 
Uh, Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 7, it's in the New Living Translation. Uh, it says, don't be misled. You cannot, mount, you cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. That's powerful. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit, talking about the Spirit of God, will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. In verse 10, I love this. There's a great underlying spot right here in your Bible. Did you know it's okay to write in your Bible? It's not a sin. You just need to know that. Anyway, it says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. And it keeps going. Especially to those in the family of faith. Other translations say the community of faith. Come on, guys. A healthy community has a flow to it. I tell people when it comes to church and, and what you're looking for, and I get it, I, there's, there's kind of this tension between, uh, between church shopping and church wrestling. And, and I think one of them you have to do. I think when we church shop, we're kind of treating it from a little bit of a, a, a consumer mentality. But when we're wrestling with where God wants us to be planted, I think that's a, a better way to look at it because we, you need to. Not just any church will do for you. God is gonna plant you in the house as he sees fit because what he's put inside of you is going to connect in a specific house that has a, spe a specific personality and will have a grace to reach specific people. And so it is worth wrestling with. I know that in a, in a, in a city like ours, I've had enough conversations with people to realize that, you know, that we, we've been in some churches. We've, we've seen some stuff. We've wrestled with some things. We've seen, we've seen the good. We've seen the bad. We've seen the, uh, we've seen the ugly. And, and some, some of us have made us kind of fall back a little bit because of how personal it is, because it is community. Community becomes personal. But God's wants to encourage you today, and, and I want to encourage you today, is that you will get out of something what you put into it. Try, try, try retiring on a 401k that you never created and never gave to. Wow. You will get out of something what you put into it. So and, and, and that's why one of these, you know, these crazy kingdom of God principles where he says stupid stuff like, if you want to leave, I mean, leave. if you want to lead, sorry, then you should serve. If you want to be first, then why don't you go in the back of the line? If you want to receive, then you need to give. It's like this whole backwards king's like, God, what are you talking about? He's talking about the reality of a kingdom that is different from the reality of the kingdom we live in. And he wants us since, since Jesus came to also bring the realities of heaven down to earth, he wants us to be people who will latch on to the realities of what exists in heaven and begin to let our light shine and speak and to live and to do those realities here on earth. Because we've, I thoroughly believe that at the end of the day, people are looking for something real to connect to. People aren't out worshiping weird stuff and doing weird religious stuff because they're bored. They're doing it because there's something inside of them that is hungering and thirsting for what they were created to do. How, how are they going to know unless we tell them? How are they going to believe unless we show them something worth believing for? How are we going to impact the negative stats of our city unless we allow ourselves to get invested into the environments where it gets dirty so that we, we can begin to shine light into those moments? Can I pray for you this morning? It's kind of a rhetorical question, but 
encourage those that are here today that um, you've, been sit, you've been sitting on the fence about getting yourself connected and involved for many very good reasons. And usually it's been because there's been, there's been hurt, um, there's been confusion, and maybe even sometimes, because the church world can be crazy enough, you don't even have to be in it to see the crazy. Sometimes you can just be looking at it from the outside going, whoa, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> but God's working on your heart and he's helping to let you know that um, he's not trying to find the perfect church to place you in, but he's trying to help you see how he wants to place you in an imperfect church so that you can be in a community of people who are in all of our crazy ways trying to go in the same direction, trying, trying to follow Jesus. You know, the beauty of being a, a the beauty of being a Jesus follower in this whole this whole system, if you will, and I don't like to use that word, that system that, that God has created for community and for, for saving the world and for all this type of stuff is that um, it doesn't take any qualification for us to be a part of it. It doesn't take a skill set in a, in a giftedness to be used by God. All it takes is someone who even blindly is willing to say, Jesus, um, I don't have what it takes, but if if you'll have me, I'll follow you. And I love when Jesus called his original disciples, he didn't go to the top of the class. He went to the people that never qualified for the good education, the people that were the fishermen, the people that were the, you know, the, the, the zealots or the trade workers, and even went to one tax collector, which you could argue he was educated, but yeah, but everybody hated him because he stole from everybody. So he went to the worst people. He did not go to LinkedIn. He did not go to monster.com. He he went, he's like, I want to find the worst, most unqualified, the ones that everyone else kicked out because I know that they'll, they'll take a, a leap of faith and say yes to me. That's all God's looking for from you. He's not looking for your perfection. He's not impressed by your, by your, by your own righteousness. He just wants you to say yes. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.